0: chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. I want to tell you about the Lutier's Reflection. When Lucy and I were in college, we were both in the concert choir, and one spring, the concert choir toured around Arizona and performed in different cities and towns, different locations, and and in each location, local people would, would bring... Um, one or two of us into their home and host us for the night. And one night, I stayed with a family whose son—he was um, about my age, probably or, you know, right out of high school—and he was already an accomplished luthier. a luthier is a person who who fabricates, who creates by hand, stringed instruments. And, and uh, they were known primarily for creating violins and, and in the Middle Ages and, and in the Renaissance period. So, Stradivarius, Stradivari, who
1: made Stradivarius violins, he was a luthier. Okay. So, so their son, this young man, was an accomplished
0: luthier at a young age. And being in the early 1980s, he specialized in making guitars. And and so as a Lunar, most of those, in keeping with tradition, would be acoustic guitars. But this was the 1980s, and he also had a taste for some righteous electric guitar-driven music. And so he had created a couple beautiful electric guitars that were in his bedroom. I mean, they just, they were were just beautiful. And and he explained to me how they were completely handcrafted, and, and the bright Paint that just shone um, with the light reflecting off of it. And when you were close enough to one of them, you could see your own reflection in the finish of one of those guitars. And he said that the hardest and most time consuming part of making an electric guitar actually is painting it to get this finish, that painting process. The paints are very specialized. And you have to wait for a certain type of weather. And and he lived in Tucson, Arizona, and most of of the country is more humid than Tucson is. And so you had to wait wait for that right kind of weather, the the right temperature range, the right humidity range, and conditions had to be just right for that paint to take correctly. And so he he had to spend some paint figuring it out because the, the directions and the guidance that he. Get access and read were for somewhere more human than Tucson, right? So he did this trial and error process and figured all that out. Um, He said you'd have to wait sometimes days or even weeks between coats of paint for the conditions to be right so the paint would take correctly. The paint needs to be applied evenly, and over that you put on clear coat, and at this point you know, to to the untrained eye, the finish of the guitar looks great, right? And then the next step is you polish it. So you, you polish it so that you get that mirror-like finish that I was seeing on the two guitar electric guitars he had completed. Now, how that polishing is done is completely counterintuitive. It seems like a huge risk that can backfire. You've spent months
1: by this point um, painstakingly paying attention to every detail. And now, to this guitar that you've painted and applied clear coat, and it's already shiny, and it
0: looks beautiful, now you know what you do? You take several different grits of sandpaper. You start with coarse grit, work your way to fine grit, and you completely scuff up that entire finish of paint and that clear coat, coat over it and that, the shine that it already had, and you completely scratch it up. He said the first time that he had to do that, he couldn't hardly bring himself to you know? Um, and you do that so that the polishing wax that you're going to use next will be able to bond to the guitar. And once you have applied, you know, scuffed it all up Completely, several grits of sandpaper and then you apply that polished wax and you buff it out and then you get this beautiful mirror like finish but he said it, it felt like he was destroying his guitar but he completed the steps, began polishing and he began to see a beautiful reflection by the time he was done, he was like looking at to the finish of that guitar. Now, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, they can feel exactly like he's taking sandpaper to your life. You may understand it theoretically, you can acknowledge that this is what it takes to reflect the image of God, but it's still so scary. To do what is counterintuitive, intuitive and to trust in your heart that Jesus knows. So the Sermon on the Mount feels like sandpaper. It feels like a risk. Like a risk that
1: might destroy you before it ever makes you better. And nowhere is this more evident than in today's passage. Matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 48. So
0: let's read there together. Matthew chapter 5 beginning of verse 38. You have heard that it was said Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go within two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. The way of Jesus. Mark Twain said, and I quote, It ain't the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. (laughs) Turn the other cheek. Hand over your coat. Go with them two miles. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit to believe this is good news and to actually put it into practice. Um, maybe especially as Americans, we're supposed to be tough. We're supposed to be hardened. We don't get taken advantage of. Turn the other cheek? That's sandpaper. How can that ever work? We'll just get all scratched up. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek, and blessed are the peacemakers. We need the fullness of Holy Spirit to be people of peace. And to walk in the way of Jesus, and the way of Jesus is this, to resist the powerful urge to retaliate when we have been wrong. Not easy. That's difficult. But just like scuffing up a guitar gives way to a mirror-like finish, so too is the way of Jesus. This leads us to Jesus' reflection being visible in us. The way of Jesus stops this cycle of retaliation. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39 again. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jesus is quoting Leviticus chapter 24, which describes the legal code the civil law for the people of Israel in the time of Moses, where it says that if someone commits a crime, then the courts must execute a punishment that's equal to the crime. If someone steals, they must pay back what they stole. If someone punches your tooth out, the assailant gets their tooth punched out. Now, that seems odd to us because our legal system is different, but this is actually a very compassionate and just legal system for that time for two reasons. First of all, it defined justice. And second, it restrained revenge, because we all know that we need restraint when it comes to conflict. Without this law, there would be uncontrolled vengeance, which would keep escalating and escalating until it's completely out of control. What might that look like today? How about the inner city in America? Take Chicago, for instance, where gang members conduct an endless cycle of vengeance, shooting up neighborhoods, where they kill each other and they kill innocent bystanders who live there in absolute terror because of their crime. So without this law,
1: there's uncontrolled vengeance, which escalates and escalates until it gets out of control. And
0: if there's one thing true about humans, and this has been true forever, We know how to escalate conflicts. We know how to go overboard. Our natural impulse is to get even and then get a little more. This happens with our kids on playgrounds. Somebody insults you, and so you insult their mom. Here we go, right? It happens with our neighbors. It happens in marriages. It happens in politics. It happens between people groups. And it happens between nations. We don't care about justice, we care about winning, destroying our enemies. So conflicts escalate. The law of Moses was a helpful system which restrained uncontrolled revenge. And so here, in the Sermon on the Mount, in this passage today, Jesus, again, is not abolishing the law, he is affirming it.
1: But Jesus is also making a distinction between the job of the state and the life of the Christian, we leave justice
0: and revenge to the authorities, and our lives are to be lives of grace and love, because retaliation breeds hate, and hatred is bad for your soul. In a sermon on this exact passage, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Returning hate for hate multiplies hate adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. He went on, Another reason that we must love our enemies is that hate scars the soul and distorts the personality. Mindful that hate is an evil and dangerous force, we too often think of what it does to the person hated. And this is understandable,
1: for hate brings irreparable damage
0: to its victim. But there is another side that we must never overlook. Hate is just as injurious to the person who hates. Like an unchecked cancer, hate corrodes a personality and eats away at its vital unity. Hate destroys a man's sense of values and his objectivity. It causes him to describe the beautiful as ugly and the ugly as beautiful and to confuse the true with the false and the false with the true. Dr. King's commitment to non-retaliation was not only an act of justice for himself and other black men and women, it was also an act of love towards his white neighbors. He was not some Pollyanna. He had been Attacked, He had been sprayed with fire hoses, had vicious dogs unleashed on him. He lived with death threats, burning crosses in his front yard, bricks through his window. But he knew if he fought his enemies with the same tactics, it would not only damage the fight for justice, it would further entrench his enemies in their hatred and racism. So, for their sake, and for his own, MLK would not fight back. With violence and hatred he would only respond with love the way of Jesus is hard it means we endure pain and suffering without inflicting pain and suffering on others but if we do this cycle of hatred and retaliation can end Thus. The way of Jesus affirms our true power and dignity. Matthew chapter 5, verses 39 through 42 again. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the
1: one who wants to borrow from you. In these verses, Jesus gives us three examples of how his teaching could be applied in his day. So let's take
0: them in reverse order. From verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Jesus preached this sermon in an area known as Galilee, and at this time, Galilee was under Roman occupation. For all practical purposes, the, the Jewish people were slaves, not in the sense that we think of slavery, but they could be forced to do just about anything without any ability to resist. If a Roman soldier was transporting something from one town to another, he would never carry it himself. He would say to a Jewish man, carry this for me for the next mile. And if they resist it, they could be executed or punished on the spot. But Jesus says, if someone asks you to go a mile, go two. Volunteer an extra mile. It's as if you're saying, I am in control of my life, and the pain of the insult can be diffused by cheerfully carrying the path, not one, but two miles. From verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. To sue... For a person's shirt, your inner garment was extremely mean-spirited and stingy. And like today, that day was full of frivolous lawsuits. The coat, the outer coat or tunic, was an outer garment that doubled as a blanket at night. And Exodus chapter 22 forbids taking a coat from another person to pay off a debt. And and that was in place so that the poor, who that might be their only cover at night in an area that was a desert and where they had hot days, but it really cools off at night. And and in the fall and wintertime, it got cold at night. That might be the only cover they had. So Exodus 22 forbid um, taking someone's coat to pay off a debt
1: so that the poor would not suffer unjustly. Jesus taught that we should not respond by demanding our rights people are mean-spirited to us. Demonstrate your dignity by choosing to offer
0: even more. And third, from verse 39, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, this is maybe one of the most misunderstood commands of Jesus. Jesus is not commanding people to remain in an abusive relationship. Jesus is not calling you to be a punching bag or to be bullied or trampled. Now, you are all facing me, right? So my left is your right side, right? My left side is your right side. It's your face it each So the left hand in that culture was considered unclean. So someone would never strike you with their left hand. So if someone struck you on the right cheek, they were backhanded. And backhanding you, that hurts your spirit more than hurts your right cheek. You understand what I'm saying? Someone backhands you to devalue you, to humiliate you. And so that's what's being referred to here. Backhanded slaps were expressions of contempt, wounding one's pride more severely than one's cheek. Jesus instructs him to let the insult go and cheerfully prepare for another by offering your left cheek and and someone facing you could hit you with their right hand that was permissible, appropriate in that culture on your right cheek.
1: Hmm.
0: Jesus' audience that day when he first preached his sermon consisted of people that were used to being downgraded, devalued. Jesus is saying turn the other cheek so that by your choice they can strike you as an equal not an under with a bad hand. The last thing a slave owner at this time would want to do is
1: to have an inferior be treated as an equal. By turning the
0: other cheek, the so-called inferior is saying I'm a human being, just like you. I refuse to be humiliated. I'm a child of God. I won't take it anymore. Now, how might that play out in our lives today? It could be walking away from the Facebook comments thread or unkind things were said about you. I'm better than this. I'm better. I don't have to win this argument. I don't have to insult this person. What it might look like is not sending the passive-aggressive text message. It might look like walking away from the temptation to gossip behind someone's back to hurt them. You're better than that. child of God. Know your worth and walk in a manner worthy of your call. The way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to demonstrate shocking grace. From Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 45 again. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good,
1: and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous.
0: The way of Jesus is not simply to obey the teachings of Jesus, but to actually follow Jesus. Just a few years after Jesus preached this sermon, Personally modeled it for all of us to see, the greatest justice in history of the world, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who healed the sick, the one who embraced sinners, who gave sight to the blind, who fed the hungry. He never uttered a single word of deceit against anyone. He was without sin. Yet he was falsely accused of being a criminal. The people called for his humiliation, for his execution. His disciples would have drawn their swords for him if he had just given them the word. He could have called down angels to destroy his accusers, But Jesus remained silent. He knew what was in every person's heart. He had the dirt on them on us, so to speak. He could have humiliated and retaliated against anyone. He was placed on the cross. The words that came out of his mouth were this Father, forgive them, for they do not know. The way of Jesus sacrificial love even as our enemies whoever that may be for you slander and hurt us we are not called to strike back, we are not called to give even, settle the score but we are called to pray for them to stand up for our dignity but refuse to fight back on their terms defeat evil is sacrificial love if Jesus had disobeyed his own commands you and I would not be here this morning we would be destined for an eternity apart from God but Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord prayed for our forgiveness while we were killing him the good news is that that prayer was answered Father says,
1: all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. We will no longer be enemies, but sons
0: and daughters of their Father who is in heaven. From the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, for if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled Shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. By his wounds, you have been healed. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't play the retaliation game? To follow Jesus means to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. To turn the other cheek to those who degrade you. To offer your coat to those who want to rip you off. To go the extra mile. Now, to do this, you must cultivate a life of abiding and resting in Jesus. You trust that the scratches you receive are making the way for him to polish you of his character, this doesn't just come by once a week in church. It comes by studying who Jesus is, by spending time in prayer, by being in community with others, like we are this morning, and there serving others. It requires supernatural strength to walk in the way of Jesus, and you cannot ever find that strength on your own. So, what a great day! receive Holy Communion together. And and the way we're going to do that is um, Lucy will come forward and we will hold the elements and and as the Lord leads you, come up and receive the elements and take them back to your seat. And then once everybody has had an opportunity to to take the elements, then uh, we'll pray and receive them together. Okay? We're gonna have a special music song for us while we gather to, to come up front to receive the So please come as the Lord leads you. Receive the bread and the cup, representing the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come. Thank <sweak> you. Sermon from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 40. About loving your enemy, you turning the other cheek, and all those things. This comes up on my Facebook feed. You will understand better the love of Jesus when you learn to sit at the table with your Judas. And now, Judas was there that night. He left to go do his horrible deed in order to so he wasn't there at the end. But he was there for the meal. you know. He was there among the disciples for the meal. And so Jesus knew what was coming, and he, he knew what Judas was going to do. We know that from the scripture. He knew what Jesus, Judas was going to do. And then there he sat at the table. This was his last supper and there he sat with his Jews. And so we understand the love of Jesus when we sit at the table with our Jewish people and every opportunity to repent to be forgiven and to be free from their sin. And so with all that in mind, we remember that Christ gave his body to knelt to a cross to be pierced on the side to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And and we follow the word of Christ by receiving these elements today. And so take and eat the bread and remember the body of Jesus Christ given for you. And they drank the third cup at that meal that had never been used before. It always set off to the side on another table or on a shelf on the wall. and was present at the Passover feast but it wasn't consumed because it was a representation of the Savior, the Messiah who was going to come. This night, of what we know as the Last Supper, Jesus took it and distributed it and Jesus and the disciples drank from it for the first time ever. And in that act, Jesus is declaring, I am Messiah, I am the Savior, I have come, and I will be the sacrifice that takes away your sin. So we look back to that day, and we know today that Jesus saved, and we know that Jesus is coming back. And so drink the cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, and rejoice.